Imagine for a moment that each one of us is walking a road. Each one of us is walking our own particular path. Our own particular path with its own unique ups and downs, twists and turns, hills and valleys. And that particular path that you're on and, and the path that I'm on, it, it determines where we're headed. And because we're, we're committed to that path, we're locked into that path, it determines what we see of God's world and how we interact with this world. This path that we're walking, it, it leads us and it shapes us and it moves us forward. And it determines how we interact with the world that God has put in front of us and the people that he's placed around us. Imagine for a moment we're all on our own particular path. You could also think of it, rather than a path, as just we each have our own particular personality. We each have our own particular shape, who we are and, and how we see the world. Uh, your personality is made up of a handful of things. Uh, your personality is made up of, of how you see the world and then how you choose to engage in the world. And how you see the world and how you choose to interact with the world then shapes how you walk through the world. Uh, so, for example, you may see the world as a place of adventure and joy. That's just the, the way in which you see everything. And then you seek to engage the world, trying to discover all the adventures and all the joys. Which means you then walk through the world constantly ready for a party. You know anybody like that? I know a couple of people like that. They're really good friends to have. That would be the, the path that you walk. That would be the, the personality that you have, so to speak. Uh, in this series, we're going to take a look at, at nine different paths, nine different roads that people tend to walk, nine different personality types, you could say, that the people tend to have. We're going to look at these things and see how they see the world, how they interact with others. And the hope is that we'd not just come to a, a better understanding of ourselves or a better understanding of some of the people around us, uh, but the hope is really this. The hope is that we would discern which path, which shape we have, but specifically that we might discern and hear God's word of grace for us and our personality, us and our type, us and the road that we walk. Because what I believe is that when you hear how the message of Jesus Christ is uniquely fit to you, you with all your quirks, you with all the weird ways in which you see the world and interesting ways in which you interact with others, you and the particular road that you're on, that you begin to walk on that road towards something that I call realness, which is experiencing a real understanding of yourself and most importantly, experiencing the real joy of knowing that you are, you are fully seen and fully loved by God. Whoever you are, whatever your personality, whatever road that you're on. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to look at these nine roads. These nine particular paths or personality types, however you want to talk about it, that people tend to have. And we're going to start at the top of the list. We're going to start by talking about the road of integrity. The road of integrity. Uh, people who walk the road of integrity are people who are disciplined. They are people who are ethical. People on the road of integrity are the ones who are focused on doing the right things the right ways. 
The person who walks the road of integrity, who sees everything through that lens, is intent on doing the right things, the right ways, seeing things that are wrong, and making them better. They're dependable, they're reliable, and they enhance our world in a thousand different ways, those who walk on the road of integrity. Now, to get a sense on whether or not this is you, if this is your personality, if this is the road that you walk, um, I have, I've created a bit of a snapshot for what I think is the, the common inner dialogue, the common inner life, the thinking and the thoughts of someone who walks the road of integrity. And as I read this, I want you to reflect and say, is this me? Is this someone that I know? So listen to this. I try to do the right things the right way. And when I make a mistake, I'm hard on myself. I know how things should be done, and it bothers me when people don't put forth the right effort. When someone cuts in line or misses a deadline or just doesn't load the dishwasher the right way, it angers me. I see most things as black and white. I worry a lot. I struggle to forgive. I never forget. It's tough for me to unwind. All I can think of is the stuff that still needs to be done. People can depend on me, and people love me because they depend on me. I walk with integrity. Those who walk the road of integrity are extremely ethical, profoundly dependable, and they are willing to dive in and do whatever it takes to make things right. We met someone earlier in the service who I would say walks the road of integrity. He doesn't have a name, he's just known commonly as the older brother or the other brother. He's the one who stayed behind and worked the family farm. And while his other brother went and and just blew up his life on Bourbon Street, (laughs) this brother stayed behind and he was faithful to the will of the father. This is how he describes himself when he's interacting with his father. Listen in Luke chapter 15 how the older brother on the road of integrity, describes himself. He says, These many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command. The older brother's identity is wrapped up in the fact that he's never let his dad down. He sees himself, he defines himself as the one who's kept the rules, who's done the right thing, who's never disappointed, and he's supremely proud of that fact. So much so that when his younger brother finally makes his way home after spoiling his father's inheritance in what the Bible calls wild living, and the father throws a party for him, he is upset and he throws a fit out in the field because throwing a party for a reckless child isn't the right way to handle it. It's not the right way to do things. And on the road of integrity, we're all about doing what's right. And after all, the way the older brother has lived, he's the one who is... Right. Do you know anybody who walks the road of integrity? I think a good way to perhaps gauge if you yourself are on this road is to consider how you respond to the story of the prodigal son. When you hear this famous story of a father who gives crazy amounts of grace to his reckless young child, how does it hit your heart? I mean, most people, when they hear this famous story, their first thought is, after they wipe a tear from their eye, this father is so forgiving. 
And then there are some people who, when they hear the same story, they wipe a tear from their eye, but for different reasons, they think to themselves, that older brother got a raw deal. If that's your instinct, you might be an older brother. You may be on the road of integrity. You may be one of those people who walks that path, who sees the world through what's right, and you do right, and you always follow through, and you are frustrated with those who don't. Now, if that's you, I want you to know that's okay. These roads that we walk, these paths that we're on, they're not good, they're not bad, they just are. In fact, if you walk the road of integrity, if you're an older brother, if you always do the right thing the right way, you dog the details, you never forget, the world depends on you, we want you to know that we can't live without you. You bring so much blessing and so much good to this world. I think it's, it's, it's safe to say that, that you bring the blessing of stability and security and peace to this world because you always think of all the things and you always do whatever's required to make sure that you and everybody else is satisfied. Again, I jotted down just a list to give you a picture of, of the kind of person that we're talking about. See if this is you. Let me ask you some rhetorical questions. Who made sure there was gas for the generator a week before Hurricane Laura entered the Gulf? You did. Who stayed late to check every slide in the slide deck before your team at work made the pitch to the new investor? You did. You checked every one of them. Who cleaned the house before vacation so that you could come back to a clean house after vacation? You did. Who taught everyone at home how to fold the towels the right way so that everything fits into the linen closet? You did. And you have a heart for justice, too. Who joined the HOA board to start a scholarship program for neighbors who struggle to, to afford their annual fee and who can't afford the rising property taxes? Who started a scholarship program for them lest, lest poorer families get moved out of your neighborhood? That would be wrong, and you're all about what's right. You did. You did that. These are the kinds of things that you do. You walk the road of integrity, and you make the road better for us in a million different ways. Now, in the course of this message, you might get a sense that, that I've got a good sense of what this road is like. And it's not because I'm on this road. I profoundly believe that I'm on a different road. We'll get to mine in a couple of weeks. But I do know some people. I love some people who walk this road. I know me some older brothers. For example, my father is an older brother. My father walks the road of integrity. He dogs the details about the big things and does them right. And he dogs the details about the little things and does them right. When I, was in, when I was in college, I lived at home, and there was one morning where I had to get to class extra early. And so I walked out into the driveway to jump into my car, and I found my dad checking the air pressure in my tires. And I asked him, Dad, do, do, I, have a, do I have a leak? Do I need to get something fixed? And he said, no. And he looked at me like I had asked the dumbest question in the world. And I said, well, then why are you checking the air pressure in my tires? And he looked at me, and he said, Matt, I checked the air pressure in your tires, and my tires, and your mom's tires, every day. <laughs> Got it. Because, as he told me, that's the right thing to do. Because you get better gas mileage, and you have better control, and you're safer on the road. And that was my dad's way of saying, this is me hugging you and loving you. <laughs> he walks the road of integrity. Back to the older brother, case in point. Luke 15, verse 25. 
when we find him, when we meet him, what's he doing? He's checking the air pressure in the tires. It says, now his older son was in the field. He's tending to the family's business. The younger brother had run off. Dad is distressed and looking for him. Somebody's got to tend the family business. And so the older brother says, well, I'll do what needs to be done. Those who walk this road make life better. You're a blessing. But here's the thing. On every road, even the road of integrity, where you try to do all the things right, there are rocks. There are rocks that you trip over. And there are, there are holes that you can fall into. And this biggest rock on the road of integrity is this. And those of you who walk this road, you know what I'm going to say. The biggest rock on the road of integrity, where it's all about being right, is anger. That's the biggest struggle. Because you want things to be right, and when things aren't right, it bothers you. When somebody cuts in line and gets rewarded for it, it bothers you. When you see people who don't try as hard as you to do the right thing, it bothers you. When you see bad behavior get rewarded, it bothers you. When, you. when you encounter someone who doesn't instinctively know what the obvious right thing to do is, like you instinctively know, man, does it bother you, and it can make you angry. But here's the thing. You also know that anger isn't always right. And because you're about doing the right thing, you don't express it. Instead, what you do is you stuff it way down deep. You push it way down deep where no one can see it. So you can still be right, yet still be angry. But the thing about unexpressed emotion is that it leaks out eventually. And the way it tends to leak out with people who walk the road of integrity is it leaks out sometimes in a cold demeanor. It leaks out in, in relationships that at times can feel distant as you try to manage some of the anger and the worry that you have about things getting done the right way. And so if you walk this road of integrity, you are very used to people that you love walking up to you and asking the question, you okay? You good? Because you seem kind of, no? You're, okay. Are we okay? And you're very used to responding to that with, I'm fine. And then that anger that doesn't get expressed, it can turn into resentment. And resentment is this feeling that, that everybody takes you for advantage, takes, you advan takes advantage of you, overlooks you, and uses you. And so the very people that your righteousness blesses, you start to despise. And that's super toxic to relationships. And you see that with the older brother. Listen to what he says in verse 29. These many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your command, he says to his dad, yet you've never so much as given me a young goat. Remember, the, dad's, the dad sacrifices the fattened calf for the younger brother. That's like the Christmas goose. That's the big thing. But he says, you've not so much as given me like, like cheap hamburger meat for me to go grill with my buddies. You've never even done that. You see the resentment? You take me for granted. I've always followed the rules, and you don't see it. You don't appreciate it. You don't value it. Now, here's another thing to understand about people who walk the road of integrity. Though they get angry, though they can be resentful, and so though sometimes it can, it can seem as though they're a little cold and frustrated and distant, for, for however angry they are at the world, you need to understand that they are ten times harder on themselves. 
People who walk the road of integrity, of doing the right thing, they will often talk about having this voice in their head that is constantly reminding them of how they're missing the mark, of how they need to try harder, of the more stuff that needs to be done. And however hard you think they are on everybody else, man, they are 10 times harder on themselves. And a lot of times what they're trying to do is just quiet that voice. Quiet that voice, that voice that never goes on vacation, that voice that never seems to quiet itself. It's always there. They're trying to quiet that voice and be good and be right and help you be right too. But it can leave them angry. It can leave them frustrated. It can leave them resentful. That's the rocks on this road. It means that people who walk the road of integrity, they need a lot of grace from the people around them. But at times they struggle to perceive that they need as much grace as everybody else. And that's, that's where things turn. That's where growth happens. If they can perceive that they need as much grace as everybody else, and that grace is a good thing to receive, then that's when change happens. Back to the story of, of the prodigal son. We'll see this in play. The father gets word that his eldest son is just over it. The youngest son has come home, and he's getting a party that he doesn't deserve, and the oldest son is mad. He's furious, and he's fuming out in the field as he's doing his work. And what does the father do? Jesus says this, his father came out to him and entreated him, meaning, meaning he begged him. So the father pursued him out in the field, found him, and then begged him, come back, come home, come to the party. Now, if you're a student of this story, you know what's happened here, and this is interesting. The father has done for the older brother the same thing that he's done for the younger brother. So the younger brother goes off and wastes his inheritance, and then he starts to come home. But as Jesus tells the story, it says that while the younger brother was still a long way off, the father saw him, and using the same words, went out to him. The father saw him and pursued him and grabbed him and pulled him home. And what happens with the older brother? The older brother is off in a far land of his own. He's out in the field doing the right thing. And the father goes out to him. The father goes out to him too, pursues him and entreats him and tries to pull him home as well. If you're on this road, what you need to understand is that your relationship to the rest of the world is the same as the older brother's relationship to the younger brother. The older brother needed the same amount of grace and mercy from the father as the younger brother did. And the father was willing to give it. And the older brothers, the integrity walkers among us, what you have to come to terms with is the fact that you require the same amount of grace and mercy as the rest of us prodigals. And the father is willing to give it. You don't have to earn it. You require the same amount of grace as the rest of us. You see, these two brothers had committed the same sin, just in different directions. They were both guilty of wanting the father's stuff, but not caring at all about the father's heart. The younger brother wanted the father's stuff, and so he took it, and he went and wasted it by doing bad things. The older brother tried to lay claim to the father's stuff by staying home and doing good things. But they were both more focused on the father's gifts than the father himself. And in both cases, it led to an alienated son who needed to be brought back by the grace and mercy of his father. And, and you need to wrap your mind around this if you're an integrity road walker. Because 
Unless you understand that you require as much grace as everybody else and the Father is there to give it, you will never arrive at that thing that you're so desperately clamoring for. What you want is to be right. What you want is to be good in the eyes of people that matter. And yet, in order to be right and good in God's eyes, it begins and ends not by being good enough, but by receiving the good that he is offering to you. Receiving the good that he's offering to you. You will never be so good, never be so faithful, never be so accurate, never be so, so obedient that you are able to be good enough for yourself, for God, for anybody else. You'll never be so good, so right, so faithful that you quiet that voice. But the Father can quiet that voice. But it begins by seeing that he has met you out in your own field of self-righteousness. That he comes to you in your own field of anger over things not being right. And he says to you what he said to the older brother, which is this in Luke 15 verse 31, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. He's been just as disobedient. And yet the father comes to him too and says, I choose to see you as good. And I want to remind you and promise you that you have from me all that you need. And the father comes to you in your far off field of self-righteousness and he says the same thing. And when you receive it, when you accept that, then you become the actual thing you've been striving for, which is good and right in the eyes of God. But you can't earn it. He comes to you and he offers it. And in order to take it, you have to be able to admit, I need it. And then when it's yours, it's yours. Now, if you're on this road of integrity, this is where some of you check out because... Some people that I love on the road of integrity, they really struggle with the whole concept of grace. They really feel like it's gaming the system, it's getting off easy, it's really, really cheap. And, and what you need to understand is that it's not gaming the system, it's not getting off easy, it's not really, really cheap. It came at a great cost. It came at a great cost to Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one who makes all of this possible. Jesus is the obedient child that you fail to be, though you try so, so hard. He dogged all the details. He has the integrity that you ache for. He has the goodness that you'll never achieve. He's met every expectation, and he came here, and he was the faithful son for you. So faithful that he was the faithful older brother who was willing to throw a party for you, who was willing to sacrifice what he had by dying on the cross so that a, a giant tent called forgiveness could be built for the whole world, and you are welcomed into it. He is that faithful and that good. And what he says is, through faith in me, that's where the rightness and the goodness that the Father promises to you comes from. What the Father is saying to you when he says, all that I have is yours, and you are good in my eyes, what he's saying is, the rightness and goodness of Jesus Christ is given to you, like the same robe that was wrapped around the younger brother. It's given to you, and you get to wear it as your own. Jesus Christ has played the game perfectly. He's fulfilled all rightness, and he gives it to you, and you get to wear it as your own so that now when the Father looks at you, he calls you what you want him to call you, which is good and faithful 
and right through faith in Jesus who's been good and faithful and right for you. If you walk this road of integrity, can I just just open up your heart and open your mind and just hear this. You are good. I know that voice tells you that you're not and reminds you of all the things you do wrong, but listen to me, you are good. And things around you may not be right, but you are good by the grace of God. Because God covers you in his grace. In fact, I would encourage you to make that a refrain. Things around me may not be right, but I'm good by the grace of God. Things around me may not be right. I can't control it all. I can't fix it all. I can't do it all. But I'm good. I'm good. Not because I'm good enough, but because God gives me goodness. I'm good by the grace of God. And receiving that and believing that, that's the key to transformation. Because believing that you have the goodness of God through Jesus Christ that it's already accomplished, believing that and trying to walk in that and remind yourself of that is the key to letting some of that rigidity that you're often accused of be burned away. And some of that anger melt away. And some of that need to dive in and fix stuff that's not your problem or your responsibility. Let that be put away. Because you know you're good. You're right. In the eyes of the only one who matters. Jesus Christ. Things around me may not be right. But I am good by the grace of God. Now, if you know someone who walks this road, you may be tempted to text them, like right now or after the service, and be like, hey, we talked about you at church today. I know why you're angry. Don't do that. Don't do that. What they need from you is love. And as we close, I want to give you just a handful of things that you can do. If you know someone who walks this road, who's, who's all about doing and being the right thing for them and everybody else in small ways and big ways, how you can love them well. Be ready to jot these things down. The first thing that you can do is you can leverage their skill. Those who are on the road of integrity, they want to be helpful and useful to you. The reason they, they correct you and encourage you and do these things for you and point out problems for you, that's their way of loving you. Give them opportunity to love you. They're good at finding out all the things that need to be fixed, so ask them for their opinion. But here's the thing. If you ask someone on the road of integrity what they think should be done, you better do what they say. <laughs> because nothing is more offensive to say, than to say, I value your input and your insight and your wisdom, and then to ignore it. That's very unloving to them. The second thing that you can do is never criticize them publicly, even a little bit, even joking. People who are concerned about being right and being perceived as right in the eyes of others, they don't take kindly to being criticized or corrected in front of others. You can criticize and correct, but make sure that you do it behind the scenes. And they'll listen, and they'll often receive it, and boy, they will hit the mark next time. <laughs> but you can love them well by not criticizing them publicly. The third thing that you can do is help them love you. Like I said, they really want to love you and serve you, but like every other human being who walks their own particular road, they're going to assume that your needs for love or that your way of receiving love is the same as theirs. But it's not. So if you don't tell this person who walks this road, hey, look, here's what love looks like for me. It doesn't look like a list of things to do. 
but instead you tell them what you need. If you don't do that, they're going to try and love you and when, in their own way, and when you're expecting them to whisper some sweet nothings in your ear, what they're going to do is saddle up next to you, they're going to say, the HOA bill is due on the 30th. <laughs> and I put it on the counter so you won't forget. You know, oh, that's romantic. <clears throat> Help them love you. Fourth, <clears throat> support their escape. People who walk this road of integrity, it's really hard for them to disengage from all the things they see that need to be done all the time, all the things that need to be fixed, all the, all the right that there is to do. And often the only way that they can get out of that, that headspace and get away from that voice is to literally not be at work, not be at home, not be in all the places that remind them of all the things that need to be done. And so they need vacation, they need time away, but they often won't give it for themselves because that's not right. And so you have to step in and be like, we are leaving, we are going away. Or here's a vacation on the calendar. You're taking a day off tomorrow. And what you'll find is that when they're able to escape, they become a different person. It's like, where has this fun and free person been? You have not mentioned the fact that my shirt's not ironed once. Well, maybe one. You mentioned it once, but you've not. That's good for you. They become a different person altogether. And if you are on this road, here's how you love yourself. You need to believe and befriend. You need to believe when people say to you that you're loved and you're good or that something's not your responsibility, believe them. And I know that's hard. When God says to you through Jesus Christ that you're accepted and you're right and you're good, I know you fight against it, and that voice says, well, except for this, this, and this. No, push that voice away. When God says you're forgiven and you're loved and you're accepted, believe them. And then befriend failure. Oh, and I know that sounds like death to you, but you're going to fail. The question is, are you going to hide it? Are you going to try to outrun it? Or are you going to accept it? You're going to fail. And believe that in your failures, if you befriend them, that there is growth, there is strength, there is goodness, because that's an opportunity to encounter grace and mercy. And grace and mercy from God and from others is where real strength comes from. It's where life change comes from. I'll close with this. If you're on the road of integrity, I have something that I want you to go online, I want you to buy. And I want you to put it on your shelf. And every time you look at it, I want you to remember a few things. What I want you to go online and buy is this. It's called a kintsugi bowl. It has Japanese origins. Some of you know what this is. Uh, you can find really expensive ones. You can find really affordable ones. If you're on the road of integrity, I think you need one. Here's why. What makes these bowls valuable, what makes them, um, what makes them uh, useful, what makes them strong, is not the fact that they hold stuff really well. It's the fact that they've been broken. A kintsugi bowl is a bowl that's been broken, either intentionally or accidentally, and it's been put back together, but it's been put back together with gold. So in the cracks that builds this bowl back together is gold, something valuable. And the really expensive ones are actually filled with 24-karat gold. Others are just kind of painted in the cracks in gold. But the point is that, that this bowl becomes more, it becomes stronger the way it's fired in the kiln, and it becomes more valuable and more beautiful because it's been broken and put back together with something beautiful. This is true for you, too. You think that it's about you never breaking, never cracking always being useful, being able to carry things well, do things right. But believe me when I say this to you, that your greater strength, that your greater beauty and great value is found 
in recognizing that you are cracked and you have been broken, but God puts you back together with the gold of his grace and his mercy, and that what makes you good is the gold of his grace. What makes you in the end stronger and more beautiful and whole is him putting you back together so it's okay to admit it, it's okay to embrace it. Be the bowl. You can't always hold it together. You can't always be right. But God has put you back together with the gold of his grace and his love. And it gives you peace on this road. It gives you growth on this road. And you can be real because of it on this road. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the older brothers among us. They keep things going. They make things better. I thank you for how they bless our lives. But I pray, Father, that you would help them to see their deep need for grace and that you would continue to help them to open up their hearts and minds to receive it on a daily basis, to believe us when we tell them that they're good and they're right and they're loved, and to believe you when you tell them, when you meet them out in the field of their frustration, that they're good and they're right and they're loved too through Jesus Christ. And may that give them freedom and peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen.